let's talk about inner peace. For the past six weeks, we've been talking through um, what the Bible says about how to have inner peace. Because for me, that's like really important for me. I think it's a hallmark of the presence of God. And really, it's, it's kind of like just where I want to be in life. I, 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 just, I really just want peace. That's why I don't play video games anymore. I just, I just want peace. I want to get all you know, amped up. And I think that the presence of God brings peace. Now, um, I've been trying to walk with God for about you know, 30 years now. And um, sometimes that inner peace can be elusive. But I still try for it. And I've uh, been talking about some principles that I think uh, helps us achieve inner peace. So, I have titled this morning's sermon... A, 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 lot of inner peace. Here's why I've titled the sermon A, 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 lot of inner peace. It's in honor of a recent song uh, that has hit the iTunes store about a year ago. And it instantly went to a top 50, um, top 50 download song. It's been talked about as 99 cents talked about all over the world. A-A, A-A-A, very good song. It is nine minutes of silence. No joke. Nine minutes of silence. See, the song, for those of you listening online, I just did air quotes. Um... For the three of you, (laughs) Um, it solves a problem. If you have a Bluetooth um, car or vehicle, oftentimes when you fire up the vehicle, it will begin playing the first song in alphabetical order in your catalog. And so this created a problem. Because, like, let's say that you're driving to work and you got your head-banging wake-up music um, on as you drive to work and it's loud and obnoxious because you're waking up and you get to the parking garage and you, um, you know, turn off the car and uh, you forget that you're going to go, you're driving your boss to a sales meeting um, and then you turn your, you know, your car on and immediately the first song with the letter A starts to play, so you're in the car with your boss driving to this meeting, and Megan Trainer's All About That Bass <laughs> kicks on. And, you know, that's kind of some awkward moments as you, like, you know, try to turn, or, you know, your first date, or whatever, when you don't want Megan Trainer playing. Um, but if you have downloaded A-A-A-A-A, very good song, then that means it's almost always going to kick on, that's always going to win alphabetically, right? Five A's? So it's going to kick on nine minutes of silence. You have nine minutes now to realize I need to turn the radio off or select a more appropriate song. So here's my point. Nine minutes of silence helps calibrate your brain, which will then help calibrate your environment to bring about or maintain peace rather than some severe awkward potentially awkward situations. It turns out that God in his infinite wisdom realized that we need 
a break of silence of some kind, a stoppage to get calibrated. Like this is a good thing for us. So what I want to do is I want to look at scripture. When it comes to inner peace, this is probably something, this concept that we're talking about today, that you have to um, come to terms with. And sadly, it's not easy for us at all. So, could I have the lights up? I'm going to walk you through some scriptures, and I want you to actually follow along. Don't get nervous. I'll tell you exactly where to turn. Um, I, I want you to like see this uh, with your eyes and hear the words and, and uh, touch the words as, as you, you know, I really want this to sink in because this is all through the Old Testament. Um, and then Jesus also affirms this stuff as well. So if you could grab a Bible, one of the blue Bibles in front of you, if you can have access to it, I would love for you to actually um, do this with me. And the first one is on page two. Turn all the way to page two. We're going to look at Genesis chapter two. God has created... The stuff that we see in the earth, and then he's going to create um, something else as well. So it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host with them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God finishes creating things and then he creates a day to rest. So God created time in addition to stuff and he blessed the resting time. So from the start we see this strange thing that the God who creates the world creates a resting time to sort of sit in and enjoy the world that he created. Okay, now turn to page 68. <coughs> this is the Ten Commandments. These were the... Um, the ten uh, concepts that God gave his people um, who he freed from slavery. And he gives them these ten concepts to walk in relationship with him. So these are like ten, ten parts of the promise. This is our end of the deal to walk with God as his people. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor. So the six days you're going to work. Like this isn't just a... This isn't about being lazy. Six days you will work, but the seventh day is Sabbath, a ceasing to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. You think you're busy? And rested... On the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God seems to say, I set an example for you. And it's not just for the rich. It's not just for the owner. It's not just for the patriarch. 
It's for the workers. It's even for the animals. It's for everybody. Everybody rests. Everybody lives on a six-in-one ratio of work to rest. Now, <coughs> wait, there's more. It's not just for people. It's not just for animals. It's also for the land. I find this fascinating. Page 71. <clears throat> Exodus 23. And again, this is like a micro. This, is, this command in all of its forms is all over the Old Testament. It just, it, like we would be here all day just reading this kind of thing. So, for, this is verse 10. <coughs> for six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield. But the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow. That's a neat word, fallow. It means not to plant. Like don't plant, just lightly work the ground. That the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and your olive orchard. Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, that the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. Okay, let's go back to anti-distraction lighting. And um, think this through now. Even the land rests. It's a, first of all, this is a recipe for like, if you live like this, you can't abuse the land and you can't abuse people. But more so, I think this, this concept here, then this, that particular uh, rendering of, of Sabbath by every seventh year, you take a whole year and you don't do what makes food. You rely on God for that. What God's kind of doing here, this whole thing, not only is it for rest and refreshment, but it's also an exercise in trust. It's like there's a seven-year trust fall here because you're, you're relying on God to provide for your community from fields that you haven't done anything to help them produce. You're trusting that, that there's enough for everybody because God is generous. There's enough for everybody without your involvement. And, and kind of what I, think, what I think part of what Sabbath does is, it, it, is it's a trust. It's like God saying, hey, you know, I can do this even if you take a day off. Like I, we're kind of seeing, can this world really continue to rotate? With us taking a whole 24 hours away from our task list, will things still go on? Will the sun still come up the next day if we take a whole day off? It's like God's building this trust thing of, hey, trust me with this. I, I, I got this. I've been doing this for a while. I know you're important. Trust me. I got this. So we see this, we, we see this six to one ratio that God says is built into the way things work if they're working correctly. Now, a couple thoughts on this, <clears throat> and then I got some application. First of all, this approach that the ancient Hebrews had 
in their tribal narrative, and I'll explain what that means in a minute, is I think a much better, it's a superior understanding of how the universe works. So, um, archaeologists know, and it, only, and it makes sense, that ancient, ancient, ancient people were primarily tribal. It was, it was tribes sort of becoming nations, tribal systems. And these tribes had their understandings of, of how the world worked, and a lot of it was, was um, wrapped up or baked into their creation stories, their old uh, myths and narratives and, and things that they had about their people group. And the Israelites had their own creation story. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> Marcus, I'm with you, man. I'm <clears throat> <clears throat> this season is brought to you by the letter... <clears throat> <clears throat> Speaking of those of you listening online. So, what was I saying? Um, creation stories. Many of the creation stories, I talked about this a little over a year ago, of the other tribes, had to do with violence. Like the world was created through violence. It was sort of a byproduct of violence and scheming of the gods who were off doing their own thing. And people were kind of doing their own thing and they existed to placate the gods or maybe they were robots or puppets or maybe it was like a fatalistic approach to life. This was in their creation story and naturally then affected their view of people and creation and how they approach life. The Hebrew people, the Israelites, the Jews, they had a creation story that they believed was from their God about how he created the world. And there was order. And there was joy. This God says that creation is good. And that people are made in his image. And are really good. And this God takes time to rest. And enjoy what he's made. And encourages his people to do the same. Do you see how like that approach. That, one, that, that, that idea of Sabbath. Could drastically affect your approach to life. Versus other ideas of who we are and where we came from. Like our God wants us to rest and enjoy. Why? Because he, we have a God who took a day off to enjoy what he did. Like I, I want to be a part of, like I, I, if there's a God, I want him to be the kind of God that takes a day to enjoy me. That takes a day to enjoy this. What a great thought about God. And, and, that's, and that's ours. That's our idea of who God is. Secondly, I love the fact that this God gives, um, um, bakes into his creation a six-in-one uh, rhythm of work to rest. He makes, a, he makes his people take a day off because his people were recovering slaves. Now, Exodus, um, I'm just going to kind of glance over this for time's sake. Exodus 1 will tell you the story of how the, the Pharaoh and the Egyptians got nervous about all the refugees, the Hebrew refugees in their land. And they turned against the refugees. And they made them slaves. And they even tried to build genocide into the equation. They're going to work these slaves to death. They're going to make bricks, 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 and other hard work. And they, that's all they know for 400 years. Years, longer than America's been a nation. 
400 years of slavery, and then God frees them and gives them the 10 rules, the 10 commandments, and in that we read, oh, and you recently freed slaves who have worked every day of your life and had your whole value determined by your productivity. You take one day off a week. You have to. Isn't that neat? I think that's pretty neat. I would have loved to have been there that first Sabbath when the Israelites are like, you mean we just like don't do anything? Like you just go for a walk or talk? I love that that's, like this is not a religion to exploit. This is a religion to liberate. And at the base is this command Hey, be sure that you don't become human doings. Be sure that your value is, is, is not tied up exclusively in, in productivity. This is to be enjoyed. This is to be loved. And it's built in. So, a couple um, quick application points here. Uh, first of all, and this is terrifying... Why not try Sabbath? Why not try taking one 24-hour period a week and put the task lists aside, put the phone in a drawer, don't mow, don't do the laundry. Now, it might take six days of work to get that. Like, you might have to work extra hard. But why not the, the God of the universe... The God of infinite wisdom who created you says that you work best in a six to one ratio of work to rest. So, and and this is, people would disagree with me and that's, that's fine. You may be right. Some people would disagree and say it always has to be, it, it should be, nope, Sabbath was Friday night to Saturday night and, and that's what it should be. I'm going to say this. Look at your schedule because we all work different things and suburban life is crazy and all that. And, and pick a day each week. That's going to be my 24. Maybe it's noon to noon. Pick a day, pick a 24-hour period each week and shut it down. Take a Sabbath. Enjoy each other's company. Read some scripture. Listen to some Jesus music on Spotify. Um, go for a walk. Uh, Ride your bike, exercise, just, just enjoy, enjoy one day a week. Nope, that's, sorry, I'm not going to do laundry that day. I'm just going to enjoy. I'm going to cease. Sabbath, six to one. The God of the universe <clears throat> says that's what works best. Do we have to? Why are we asking that? The God of the universe says Here's the best ratio of work to rest. Jesus says that that work to rest ratio, the Sabbath, was made for humans. Let's trust him. Let's try it. Second point of application is um, have some A, 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 very good moments. Don't worry about the grammar. It's a concept we're going for. The ancient... The ancient um, Christians called this the daily office. It meant there were a few periods of the day of, let's, let's just say, 10 minutes. Let's say there are two 
10-minute periods where you were going to have a mini Sabbath. You were going to shut it down for 10 minutes. So maybe you have a, 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 very good morning, which means five to 10 minutes, you rush, you rush the shower. Or if that's too sacred, I get it, get up 10 minutes earlier and, and, and give yourself and, and go out to your car even if you have to. Just to get out of if the house is noisy and sit in the car for five to ten minutes and, and just silence and, and maybe just kind of breathe. Five to ten minutes of, of just, just silence. Now, I said a couple weeks ago you might consider uh, from Luke 15 the promise of the Father to the Son, uh, the God character saying, You are always with me and everything I have is yours. And as you breathe in, you are always with me. And breathe out, everything I have is yours. And it's you reminding yourself of God's promise to you. You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Just breathe in and breathe out. Or in Romans 8, Paul says that the Holy Spirit actually prays on our behalf, somehow through us, groaning through us to God. He knows our needs, he knows our soul, and he prays on our behalf. And maybe it's, and this is why I do this a lot, Holy Spirit, pray through me. Inhale, Holy Spirit. Exhale, pray through me. Five to t- I think you will be amazed if you take five to ten minutes at the start of every day just to breathe, just a, a mini Sabbath. Ten minutes to calibrate before your day. And then maybe you take another five to ten minutes and, and, you, and, and you read a little mini Sabbath to read Scripture at some point in the day. A, 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 moment to read scripture. Shut it down for 10 minutes and read scripture. Now in the app, which I told you how to download, uh, if you go to sermon notes, uh, you'll see all my notes from my sermons. And in this particular week's note, I put how to get the um, Bible app and uh, a Bible app that I recommend and how to find a reading program and all that. So um, you might consider um, looking at that and, um, and uh, downloading that app getting a reading program, and five to ten minutes a day, uh, you um, set it aside to, uh, to recalibrate around God's Word. Those things are good for our soul. And I, listen, I know that for whatever reason, that, that can be one of the hardest things to do is just to shut it down. But God says that, that if you... And, and listen, if you want inner peace, some of you may not have the inner peace that you desperately want... Because you're not taking Sabbath seriously, give it a test for a few months. Just test it for a few months and see. All right, we're going to do one last song, and here's what I want to do. And this could be terrifying. We're going to take one minute. We're going to take one minute, 60 seconds, like not a moment of silence, a real minute of 60 seconds of silence. And I think, first of all, this is a good reminder every now and then of how busy our life is because 60 seconds can seem like an eternity when there's really nothing to do. Like, I I should probably check my phone. 60 seconds of silence. And also, um, it's a good um, sort of barometer of how chaotic your life is because if you're terrified by 60 seconds of silence, it means that you've let yourself get overwhelmed by Um, the sensory stuff of the world. So Marcus is going to take a look and we're going to do one minute of stillness 
and then uh, the band's going to sing a song. And during that time, I'd love for you to just, just take it in and invite God to speak to you from what we've just heard.